another special episode of 5 by 5 In this episode, I share my story. It has only recently occurred to me that while I am reaching out and connecting for other humans to share stories of their humanness and stories of how they came back together as a human, I've neglected to share my own. And so in this episode, I share with you a little piece of my story, but most importantly, I answer my favourite question that I ask all of my guests. What have you come to know for sure about being human? And here is my answer. It has occurred to me, only after seeking other stories, hearing other stories and feeling other stories, that I am doing all of this without sharing my own. I've recorded a number of special guest editions now, ready to share, all offering their stories of humanness and human lessons, but it is often the conversation after the recording is finished that becomes the most valuable to me. No nervousness, no script, no points to be covered, just two humans speaking to each other about life, lessons, our deepest beliefs and our faults. The last few humans that I've sat with have had similar questions. What is your story? How did you come to be here? Why are the human parts of humans so important to you? What are the human parts that make up humans? And how do you know that? And I want to answer. I think I need to answer. Sometimes we fall into this trap, don't we? The one where we feel like other people doing it is enough the one where we congratulate others and acknowledge them for doing hard things, the things that we don't. And then we don't have to, because they're doing it, and we pass that off as enough. If you are in my Being Human community, you know I do show up. You know I am an open book. I unravel and deravel and re-ravel openly and unashamedly, because I truly believe that those of us who come out the other side must be the ones to show what's possible. We must be an alternative, share our lessons, light the path, be an example that someone might reach for when they need it most. But outside that community, a safe, open and yet closed space, I have not shared my story. I got to a point on the last day of 2017 when I realised something extraordinary. I realised that first you have a story, you hold on. Then you tell and retell that story. Next, you don't want it to be your story. There's more to you. You wanna change the story. Finally, you don't need a story. And that's when you know. You know that holding on to something that defines who you are or who you're not is not the thing. It's how you use it how you use the lessons of your story to uncover more about yourself, about others, about this life. It's how you reflect on those moments and see that all things start with perfect timing and all things end with perfect timing. And this is why the five questions that I ask my guests are, what was a time in your life when you were forced to learn more about being human? What lessons did you learn during that time about your own human? What did you learn about other humans? What do you think about when you reflect back on that time? And my favourite of all, 
After living all the days you have and all the moments, what do you know for sure about being human? Here is the beginning of my old story. I refer to it as that because I don't hold on to it anymore. I've let it go, laid it on the ground, handed it back to the people who should have always held on to it. It belonged to them. They were their lessons to learn and I mistakenly took them on as my own. Once I did this, I was free to clutch the lessons intended for me and listen. I listened really hard. This is how it started. I'd been climbing the corporate ladder for over 10 years. My career was my life. It consumed me, and if I'm honest, it didn't need to make room for anything else. I was recognised, I was revered, I was acknowledged in all the ways I needed to be. I was known for my skills and ability to get the job done. My life motto had become, act like a lady, think like a man, work like a boss. It was engraved on my iPad, for goodness sake. Yep, there, etched into my shiny new device that took over all of the tasks I could no longer store in my mind. That was me. Steel meets steel. Grit, persistence, determination, and a 100-hour working week for 10 years. Seen. Heard. I was part of their world. But working so hard to fit into everyone else's world, sooner or later means that you don't have one. In 2016, I didn't feel. I didn't feel sad. I didn't feel happy. I didn't feel human. I just did. Every part of my place in this world had become robotic. I did. I redid. I did again. The same day, in the same way, for over a year and a half. Friends tried to suggest that I was depressed, or overworked, or just sad, but that wasn't it. The Japanese have a word for that kind of work-consuming soullessness that I was experiencing. Kuroshi. It translates literally to death from overwork. An article published by CBS News in April 2017 claims that Overwork in Japan led to more than 2,000 suicides in 2015 and 96 people died of heart attacks or strokes. Other papers reveal that these people are literally dropping dead at their desks. In a world where we are applauded, encouraged and embraced for pushing harder than the next person and hunting down that impossible irreplaceability and one-upmanship, I found myself on the brink of Kuroshi. It was only later that I could describe it acutely enough. I had lost my humanity. I was cold. I was a body in a place. I had long forgotten how to feel anything. It was stored and gathered somewhere deep inside that had learnt to hide as well as I did. When I spoke to people, I didn't hear them. I didn't look at them. I didn't feel them. I simply fulfilled my responsibilities of nodding every now and then and moved on to the next thing on my to-do list. I lived in my head. I forgot I had a heart. I became robotic, emotionless and lived in a list-by-list -list world. The doing more persona misinterpreted the being more notion. What other people thought of me was my only business and more so that they continued to applaud me for the only thing I thought I was, an achiever in their world. I guess you could describe it as a three-quarter shove, one foot caught and one arm grasping, still desperate to cling to the latter kind of event. The initial shove was sharp. It was fierce and came from another human, a clear signal that I didn't fit anymore. 
achievement and status denied. The other quarter freefall came from me and could possibly be translated into a, you're right, I don't fit, but without that, I don't know who the hell I am breakdown that saw me go from everything for everyone, the answer, the blame, the listener, the idea maker, to, well, nothing. And you know there are books about this, about people like me, people who take all their drive and determination and passion and alongside fear, believe what they're told about this life. Those qualities are destined for accomplishment and titles. What they don't tell you is that it's rare they can be combined with heart, soul, humanity and authenticity and you'll still be accepted. Just ask Brian E. Robinson and the people he interviewed for his book, Chained to the Desk, a guidebook for workaholics, their partners and children and the clinicians who treat them. While there is a lot more to the story, it is my answer that I offer now about what I know for sure about being human. What I have learned for sure. There are actually a number of things I know for sure now about being human, but this is the one overarching thing. We must not forget our wholeness. And we do, a lot. We must hold on to the fact that our hearts, minds and bodies play a significant role in the healing, connection, well-being, wellness and those higher emotions such as happiness, joy, awe, wonder, inspiration, creativity. What I also know for sure is that we live in a mind-brain world. This is how my story began, being a heart and gut-brain person trying to live in a mind-brain world. Follow all the rules, stay between the lines, say yes, do better, have a title, earn a badge, a label, know your label, know where you fit because the mind loves order. It loves sameness. It loves to know where it can connect and store information about all sorts of things, but it must be logical, rational, sequenced. It all needs to fit. Questioning, wondering, seeking, clarifying, being. They're not really valued in the mind-brain world, but problem-solving, doing, ticking, listing, achieving, acknowledging, upholding, are. My mind was perfect in this world. It took a little while to get there, but I figured it out. I needed to fit. I just needed to fit in. I needed to silence my heart and lose my compass because everyone else would show me how things were to be done. And that's where my story begins, but not where it ends. This is where it ended, that particular story, that story that I no longer hold on to. It all led to what I'm going to share next about the deepest, truest truth that I know about being human. Here we go. People often ask me how I came to be so wise so young. I usually laugh in response. There are much younger people than me, much wiser, because I took so long to get here. It wasn't granted to me until I was ready. We all have moments, moments of clarity, calling, awakening, spiritual pulls that when we are yanked back involuntarily, they remind us what this life is. Life steps back onto our path to try to draw our attention back to where it should be. Death, illness, love, or wonder, inspiration, despair, desperation, illumination, defeat, joy, all there waving their flags, trying to recapture our focus. Everyone, it spares no one, but some people work hard to get the moment to pass and others, like me, break. 
We sit in it long enough to crack open. I broke. That's the simplicity of it all, but not the whole truth. I broke and I let it happen. I sat in fear and confusion and sadness and the unpredictability. I hit what I call the brave point. Brave the adjective because brave used as a noun would suggest the image of someone standing without fear and that would not be true. I was full of fear, so full of it, overflowing even. It's just that the fear of staying the same outweighed the fear of moving through. And I discovered that when my decision was made, some of the fear dissipated along with the other option. This was the first time I questioned fear as being a real tangible thing that I'd held on to in order to stay the same. It was real until I made a decision and then its leverage wore off. A convenient excuse not to step outside the boundaries, not to question or face the questions. A reason to stay small and now I had no reason. I had no excuse. I had no lie to hide behind. That decision saw me step over the line and onto the path of my brave point. I could finally feel the rest of my body. I had stepped out of the mind-brain world and back into the world I was always supposed to be in. And there are people who don't reach that point. There are people who can't hold on, who can't feel the rest of their body. Only the traps in their minds that have been built over time through rules, judgments, secrets, shame, expectations, fear, put-downs, guilt, stories of others and the observations they've made in this world. And they may not have been accurate. They might not have been truth. But our minds piece together things in complex ways that we need the heart and gut to balance out. Without them, we become lost in a closed loop with no recircuitry possible. So let's talk about the heart-brain. Greg Braddon, in his book, The Science of Self-Empowerment, talks about the little brain and the heart. He shares the science behind our heart intelligence and the discoveries that have been made to scientifically acknowledge this. PhD scientist Dr. Armour led a team to study the relationship between the brain and the heart. They discovered 40,000 specialist neurons that connect the two organs. This is the communication highway of our bodies. What was so enlightening about this discovery is that many of the neurons in the heart perform the same functions as those found in the brain. This has now become known as the little brain in the heart. The only difference is that the heart is not overridden by rationalising, analysing or compromising. Regardless of the science though, you know this to be true. You feel it. When you step outside into warm sunshine in autumn and you take a deep breath in of gratitude. When you hug someone you love. When you observe joy and happiness on someone else's face. Or experience despair and desperation in another's eyes. You know this to be true. That there is also a heart brain that guides you and helps you feel all of life. It is the same as the intuition that sits deep inside of you, ready to come to life when you need it. The third brain, your gut. The question is, do we listen to it? Do we pull these three, the mind, the body and the spirit together enough? Isn't that what a lot of the ancient cultures were built upon? The wholeness of a human, the connection to self, others and the world around us a seated connection, 
something born, given life by the same origin. I know that we've built a different world now, one that might not embrace this knowing, but it is in this knowing that you know something to be true, false, right, wrong, proven, disproven. You know. It pulls you there. My mum knew. She knew when something made her stop what she was doing and come looking to find me as an infant. Black, she says. You were black. I had stopped breathing and she knew. That is not brain knowing. It is different. It is knowing that you've made decisions that have led you to be surrounded by people in environments not good for you. And your insides keep screaming, no, 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 but you're trying not to listen. And it is in this struggle that you reach a point of pain that exists constantly. And within that moment, your pain point either becomes your brave point or stays as pain that doesn't become any clearer or any more understood than in that moment. It stays there as your story, your only story. A choice that is laid out before you, your brave point or your pain point. And maybe your brave point is speaking to someone, opening your mouth and sharing your truth, letting it spill out onto the floor while a loved one, doctor or trusted person shares the space with you. Maybe your brave point is reorganising and reordering your mind brain through new routines, systems, morning structures that bring back control. Maybe that is the decision that brings back more clarity for you. But don't stop there. Movement, being creative, meditation, nourishment, setting new goals, reflective thinking, silence, reading, writing, these will all help you feel your wholeness again because you will become whole again. A pain point that is held onto as a pain point makes it really hard to break the ruminating thoughts and negative emotions attached to it. The cycle stays in your mind brain. Your suffering is creating suffering and on and on it goes until the circuit is broken. In doing some research recently, I came across a sobering statistic about those who, like me, become trapped in their mind brain, trying to keep up with a world that is confusing, conflicting, full of silent rules, expectations and judgments. Here in Australia, our government publishes official statistics on a range of economic, social, population and environmental matters that are important to Australians. As part of the 2018 statistical information published, one specific statistic hit me right in my heart and gut brain. What was it? In 2018, suicide accounted for over 100 thousand years of potential life lost with people in the middle of their lives being the groups rapidly rising why we forget our human we forget our wholeness we are handed invisible lines and boundaries about what life is and what it should look like they are rarely spoken but we are expected to learn them by watching following and fitting in if we venture out in our difference, we are often pulled back into sameness. So what is it that I know for sure about being human? It's hard. I've found it really hard. 
but we were never meant to be separate pieces of ourselves. We were never meant to put ourselves at the top of the list of things we are fighting against. And those of us who come out the other side become responsible for showing what's possible, how it's done, what the path might look like. It is us who needs to share what we know for sure about being human. Thanks for listening to 5 by 5 Reach out and let me know about the thoughts, feelings and knowings that this has brought you. You can reach me on Facebook at Erin Minogue Author or on Instagram at Erin Minogue Soul Awakener. If you connect with me by signing up to my weekly newsletter, I will send you my free resource on the thought leaders, TED Talks and videos that changed my life.